Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Questionable to Return podcast. As always, I'm Andy with my buddies, Mike. Hey there, hi there, ho there. <laughs> and Pete. Hello, everybody. <laughs> oh, I kind of did the Uper version of uh, your hey, intro, Pete. Um, that was fantastic. <laughs> I might have to just transition to that now. I'm, I'm going to have a whole episode of the giggles I can feel. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Uh, at the time, I didn't even know if any of that would be in the podcast. But then when it came to editing, it was like, oh, this could probably be put in at the end. Yeah, it was really good. I I enjoyed it a lot. I was amused. Channeled my inner Fargo slash living in Green Bay for a year. Yeah, there's definitely uh, co-workers staring at you awkwardly laugh ahead as I was listening to it. As long as we amuse ourselves, that's all that matters. I just always want to break Andy. <laughs> just have him be the <laughs> Jim, like, I'm the Jilly, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon Fallon. of the show. Definitely. Oh, there's one thing I need to bring up. Yep. It's Jeopardy. Oh. Hey, if you can talk WWE and NASCAR, I can talk Jeopardy twice a year. So we uh, haven't talked NASCAR since Daytona. A guy. That's true. The previous single day record for Jeopardy was 77,000. A guy just won 110,000 in one day yesterday. You know what he does for a living? Professional sports gambler. Mike, so so that money's going he, straight out the window. He he plays so risky. He he'll do all in on daily doubles when he has like thirty thousand oh, dollars. and have him, to, and that's how he gets such crazy money. But it's it's worth uh, following. It was even on the front page of ESPN. So anyone else who watches Jeopardy, now is the time to tune in. He could be the next Ken Jennings. But one thing I actually did want to talk to you about, Pete. Oh, you were at the Bucks game. Against the Hawks. Oh, yeah. Win, yeah. I almost forgot about that. Win number I, 60. I think I blacked out. Did it feel like a big celebration, kind of the hitting that magic number of 60? So, as you guys know, I got tickets up high. And mm-hmm. then my aunt and uncle left, but they were sit, sitting three rows up right behind the, the hoop. Yeah. And they said, here, you can have our tickets. They had, like, paper tickets from for, like, season ticket holder, pretty much. I guess they get paper tickets. So they gave us those, and we went down and sat down there for the whole second half. And I, it was I was it was surreal. Like, I can't even explain in words how awesome it was. I've never sat that low at a basketball game in my life. So and I've really never seen NBA players like close up. Like this is yeah. something I've never experienced. So it was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they're so gen- I, they're ginormous. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like staring at Paul Gasol all the time, and then he he like caught eyes with me, and I just kept staring at him because he's Paul Gasol. And then he was talking to somebody, and he he ended up closing his covering his mouth like all NBA players do. Mm-hmm. So he thought he was listening to him, I think. But but no, it was um. It's quite different being down there, though. Like, the game was exciting. Actually, it it ended up being a little clo- ended up being a little closer at the end than than we probably all thought. But I was looking up, and I would say to my wife, you know, they're having fun. But man, we are having way more fun. Like, you don't think about it when you're up there. Like, how much more intense it is, even if they're up ten. I was going nuts. I'm surprised I didn't lose my voice. I was like jumping up and I was going crazy. But they won the game. It's number 60, such a huge thing for the Bucks, really. Yeah. They've only, I mean, last time they did it was what, 81? 81. Mm-hmm. So, but it just didn't seem like anybody really cared. Like everybody just left like a normal game. It wasn't no big celebration. There was, you know, there was always the big uh, aired up buck in the middle and everybody partying and yay we won 60 and but it's, it wasn't really that yeah huge, it's interesting because just listening on the radio or watching on tv they kept talking about that and what a big deal it was and maybe the announcers were getting more into it than the fans maybe the fans are just 
waiting for the playoffs. Yeah, it, I'm sure a lot of those people who are sitting in those seats maybe are have been going to every game. So, yeah, I could see that. When you are... It's like the end of the season stretch. They're probably just excited to have Giannis play. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. It was a 50-50 game. Everybody played. With, sitting, with Trey Young and Collins out, everybody played. It was pretty yeah. awesome. Like I couldn't believe it, too. Sitting floor level, though, yeah, it gives you a whole new appreciation for how big these guys really are. Because when oh you watch God. them on TV and the way Giannis Euro steps and dunks, it's like, oh, that's impressive. And then when you see it from close up, it's like that guy's a giant, and the way he moves is just it's, it's insane. It's mind-blowing. Like, like I've, we've all played basketball. We all know how tight it is on the court and how, how I mean, Mike and I, we aren't, we're the short guys. So, But still, it, you have room to roam around. But, I mean, they're all like seven foot pretty much. Yeah. Huge. And you look at it from that view, from that behind view, and granted there is space but it just looks so tight, and I cannot believe how Giannis can fit through four defenders. It's just way more appreciation for what Giannis and does as a as a player. It's just mind blowing. And Brook Lopez is huge. Yeah, like, he is a monster. Yeah, he's he's not that skinny seven footer. No. He's not the those. Not at but all. He's not like a Shaq seven footer either. No, well, Shaq is just. There's never been another Shaq. Like I can't but believe like, how but even the big huge big guys from guy. from like our our, our like the yeah. mid nineties. Ewing and Elijah. Elijah Warren. was still a little bit thinner. Mirshan, Bradley, <laughs> Rick Smiths. Rick Smiths was a was a bigger Luke guy. Longley, yeah, yeah. Those guys were <laughs> all like a little more built, a little more like, bulk to them. Yeah, but even like the Larry John. Well, Larry Johnson was an overly tall guy, but he's a big guy. Like the Anthony Masons, the. Yeah, you Patrick Ewings, those those type of guys. Like I still feel that like Brooke is a little bit smaller than those guys even. He is what, seven two, seven seven one. I think he gets height wise he's about the same. I just think he's like a little bit thinner. Yeah. Thinner maybe. build, if you will, than those guys. His head's really big. He's a big man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it uh and as advertised in 28 size shoe <laughs> as advertised dj wilson's shorts they're very short <laughs> yes and I my like, wife thinks he waxes his legs you might well, have to anyway. i do like how but that's, they're, they're very short i do like how that's the trend it's like we hit the point where the shorts got as baggy as they were going to get and then it's the pendulum well, swung back yeah up. it was like the 70s evolution when you were worried about like the player's balls falling out in the middle of a <laughs> of, of a play to <laughs> Baggy shorts where there's no chance. It's like half pants. Like they're basically manly capris. That was a uh, back to even like shorter, tighter fit. Fab Five was part of the reason that changed. As they uh, they said to the coach, "We can't wear these short shorts. They want it as like baggies. What's in style now? Baggy shorts, black socks." And the coach was like, "All right, yeah." At least now with the shorter ones, a lot of them wear those. With the lack of a better term, athletic leggings. Yeah, those always just look weird to me. If you want to watch a funny video, though, there's a guy at the combine. I think this last year that is his package fell out when he was doing the forty. No, that, was like, so. that was a couple of years ago, I think. Was it a couple of years yeah. ago? Oh, yeah. wasn't that the guy that he dove to the ground yeah. then to cover <laughs> up? Cover it up. Yeah. Oof, look out for rug burn there. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time I saw. It. I can't believe I didn't hear about that years ago. That was pretty <laughs> funny. Don't wear short shorts, boys. Yeah, don't wear <laughs> men. Don't wear plums, Please. mugglers. <laughs> All right, fellas, we have a giveaway. It's doing very well. Mm-hmm. Lots of people submitting. So get your submissions in. We will start sharing these soon. We just kind of want to compile and make sure we don't have any. Um, maybe we gave people too long. Maybe. When they see the timer and they got 56 days to go. <laughs> Possibly. But I wanted to maybe explain a ritual versus a superstition. Um, so the definition of a ritual is it, it's kind of a ceremonial, sacramental, you know, celebratory. It's a series of actions or type of behavior regularly or invariably followed by someone. So an example, Mike, um, due to your, your Russian and Japanese heritage, mm-hmm. um, to this day, you still follow the ritual of the Anu people. 
uh, you kill a mother bear while she hibernates and raises, mm-hmm. and then you raise her cubs in captivity for two years mm-hmm. before you choke them out or spear them to death. Mm-hmm. So that this, is this that's po- an example of a ritual. This this podcast took a took a turn. Yeah, <laughs> Konnichiwa. <laughs> yeah. So what, okay, now. what in the actual? So a superstition mm-hmm. is a myth, belief, old, old wives' tale, um, uh, kind of like a notion, a widely held unjustified belief in supernatural causation leading to certain consequences of an action or event or a practice based on such a belief. So another example. I, mm-hmm. I actually have a couple for this one. Mm-hmm. Do you have any about my Japanese family? Uh, no, not yet. No, okay. I don't know. I, I love your Japanese family. So. Okay. Andy, due to your Indian heritage, uh, you follow a lot of superstitions. Uh, Andy never shaves or cuts his nails on a Tuesday or Thursday or even washes his hair on a Saturday because mm-hmm. that will invite bad luck yeah. on him. That gets the evil spirits all riled so up. That's a yeah. superstition, if that makes sense. So, Mike, you have one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you are, of course, 1% Mexican, so you never mm-hmm. put two, <laughs> two mirrors in front of each other? No, don't. As they will that. open a threshold for the devil. Yeah. Or do you? No, we don't do that. Remember, okay. just mem- want to make sure. Remember when she did that in us, in the fun house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not doing that. Not her t- doing her tethered that. gutter. <laughs> so visit questionablereturn.com slash giveaway. So wait, did this, no, let me finish. No, we, wait. Do, are we? Are we? Are we speaking with the with the tethered version of Mike? Oh yeah, that's true. If I could do the voice better, I would do it, but it just hurts my throat. I don't. It doesn't sound right. It. Yeah. There it is. Michael. Okay. So visit my temple Twitter. Okay. So I'm going to talk. So, about, when you guys go to Uber Voices, I'm going to be the tethered guy. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to go over these because actually Giannis does a, a ritual before he plays for like the, before the games pretty much. He puts hot sauce on his knees, which it's what? not. It's not hot sauce. He calls icy hot, hot sauce. Oh. It's awesome. That's um, sweet. So yeah, he actually does a bunch of different things. He shoots with the same person. He doesn't, you know, talk to really anybody else. He does his own ritual before the game. So that's what we're kind of looking for. Um, kind of like those little things that, that you did before games or that you do now as a fan or super superstition-wise. Do you touch your nose three times when the Packers score just because you think that that's going to help them win? Anyway. You'd be like, you know, or like, Joe Boo from Major League, you know, he needed certain chickens sacrificed and right. things like that. I mean, that's that was just what he needed to have his bat be blessed yeah. to hit home run. Yasiel Puig, he always licks his bat for some he reason. Makes sweet love to Obvious his baseball bat. Superstition. So yeah. I'm sure we've all Pack, had Pack, something. Packer fans aren't touching their nose when they when the Packers score for superstition. It's just those... Uh, Nose airs. Does it count if nose airs? Does that count if you've just been picking it all third quarter? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Picking and licking. <laughs> so visit questionablereturn.com slash giveaway to share your story, ritual, or superstition you follow that involves sports. You have until May thirty first submit, and we will randomly draw a winner for the Giannis Funko Pop. And just so we're clear, the we we appreciate the shares, and the shares are wonderful. Don't stop sharing. But just sharing and including it in your feed on social media does not give you an entry. You have to give us an entry and then share. Make sure you get your entries in. Hashtag QTR giveaway. Let's run through a few miscellaneous headlines in the world's world of sports yeah first, before i take us down a, a crazy tangent that <laughs> yeah. first up Giannis, not interested in space jam 2 love this he's too focused on basketball love it and he's not hollywood because wasn't that the the main problem for him is he's worried about how long shooting would take shooting the yeah movie. It's, he said two weeks of his summer is not worth it yeah, so <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I the guy's really dedicated. I love him. He, I, I could see him staying in Milwaukee more and more. Every, yeah. everything, every time these things come out where he doesn't want to work out with other people, he doesn't want to be a Hollywood star. He doesn't want to do dress up pretty much before the game. He just wants to wear his 
whatever he wants to the game and just he wants work. to wear his hot sauce and he wants to just go <laughs> yeah. to work. Yeah. It's kind of like from that, that finding Giannis thing. It really does uh, kind of show him as this guy that all he wants to do is get good at basketball and spend time with his family. And that's really, that seems to be mostly how he spends his life. And that does seem like that gives Milwaukee a nice little. Oh, uh, so you're telling uh, us there's a chance for yeah. a lifetime. I I think at least another contract. I could see him re-upping for like four years at the end of the deal or three years. We'll see. Yeah, you just you gotta love the rhetoric of I don't like to be Hollywood. I don't like the extra drama. I'm just going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, would I don't think he will leave really, if unless something really bad goes wrong with the front office. Yeah. But you he he's he always has seen how LeBron left how. Durant left and how what that does to a city and how you are disliked by people and he doesn't like to be disliked I feel so it, it does help that the Bucks had the best record in the NBA oh, yeah. this year and Bledsoe's back bringing in like a, a coach like Mike coach, yeah and uh, you know we'd expect they'll they'll keep a couple of other guys around we're not sure this who is, but doesn't it feel like this is kind of an important off season? It really I does. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a great postseason. So this postseason will kind of dictate a lot of it, but it kind of makes this postseason, I think, a, a really important step in kind of cementing the idea that the city in front office is dedicated to making sure there's a winning team around. Yeah, and and uh, it'll be a huge talking point just for the next couple of years, based on who they sign and who they let go, whether or not they made the right moves, if they decide, you know. Middleton or someone like that walks and they keep Brogdon and Lopez it'll be you know what does Middleton do with a different team like that that'll be talked about all season so or definitely. maybe it also will speak volumes too like a Middleton does he does he give the Bucks in this team a little bit of a discount to try to stay and be part of something special or is he really just trying to go for yeah like some, the payday some guys might some guys might actually just feel like they love being in Milwaukee so Lots of good things happening in Milwaukee, that's for sure. Yeah. For the Brewers team going out west. Let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, forget that. But uh, first, we have a first-time national champion, Virginia Cavaliers. Tony Bennett does it. Not the singer. Not the not singer. Not to be confused with the singer. Not Lady Gaga's duet partner. <laughs> the UW Green Bay star, son of Dick Bennett. So my first thought on this is, I, I mean, I'm happy because I picked it and hit some bags of Skittles right When are we going to Sizzler? <laughs> we'll, we'll find Gotta a good find day. one yeah. first. But uh, it was a little bittersweet because part of me kind of was left wondering, what if? What if the Badgers had been able to get Tony Bennett when Bo Ryan left? I know there was a a ton of talk about that in Madison. Uh, I don't know if the Badgers made a serious offer to him. At that time, Virginia had just been established as a legit power, but they weren't what they are now. So I kind of can't help but just kind of play the what-if game. Why couldn't couldn't Bo stick around for a little bit longer? Yeah, Bo, his retirement ended up being pretty abrupt. I think he... uh, I think ultimately he regretted not retiring after the the loss to Duke. I think he felt like after those back-to-back Final Fours, that was a good way to to wrap up the career, and he came back for one more year and then just left halfway through. Hats off to Virginia. They played in nail-biter after nail-biter right. after nail-biter they earned to it. win it all. They really did. After losing to 16 last year, they are in this one for sure. Yeah, redemption sweep. It is the ultimate redemption story. And doesn't this also now make the loss to UMBC one of the craziest upsets in the history of sports? The fact that Virginia went on to win the national championship the next year. Well, I think I think the number one losing to a 16 is, is crazy in of itself. But then now you're compounding it by yeah. a national championship next year. It already was crazy. And it was crazy the fact that they didn't like squeak by. They won by 20. When you now look at it in hindsight that Virginia won the championship the next year, it's pretty mind-blowing that that happened. You know, going from that, that loss to <laughs> to winning the tournament, 
and the way they won it was pretty impressive too. So yeah, I mean they were going back to the Purdue game and then Auburn and then Texas Tech. They were down late in every one of those games and won. Every one of them came down to the wire, and they managed to find a way to win. So certainly one of the more entertaining national championship games I think I've ever seen. And your pocket's a little heavier full of Skittles, right? It is. It is a little heavier. Taste the rainbow. Uh, yeah. That's what matters, really. That's all we really care about. That's true. I was sweating it out, though. And Pete, you mentioned WrestleMania. We'll get to it. What's your uh, what's your WrestleMania review? So, WrestleMania, I did watch it uh, kind of in two parts because I fell asleep. Did The so, Rock show up? No, no. Did Hulk Hogan show up? Yes. So, the championships wise, they a lot of them change hands, which everybody wants to see. Did Stone so, Cold Steve Austin show up? No. Okay. <laughs> did Mankind show up? Kane. Ric Flair? Under the book. Dude love. <laughs> no, go ahead. Continue. What Ronda Rousey? What happened with her? Rousey, was she the champ going into this? Because that was the yeah. headline event, right? Yep. So Rousey was the champ. That's for sure. Did you win? Charlotte was the champ too. So it was a winner take all match. No, Rousey did not win. The man won. Becky Lynch. So yeah, seven seven championships changed. It was very entertaining. I felt like it was one of the best WrestleManias I've seen in a long time. Um, there was a lot of big wow moments. Um, Kofi Kingston won. Uh, he's been in the WWE for 11 years. He celebrated with his kids in the ring, which was kind of cool. Um, and then, of course, as you guys mentioned, Hulk Hogan showed up, John Cena, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, basically, uh, Kevin Nash, who was Diesel, Back in WWE, oh, I remember Diesel. Kevin Nash in yeah. WCW. Uh, Ric Flair helped Triple H defeat Drax or Bautista, whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart showed that he was okay, walking Natalie and Beth Phoenix out uh, for their match. So the the final match, of course, the women's match started at 12 a.m. Eastern. It's a seven and a half hour long event. <laughs> Why? <laughs> That is it's so too long. So long. Yeah. They could have cut. Even if you make it an hour less, it would be so much better. So you know, mm-hmm. like the NFL, and like they, they have the clips come Monday. Like if you subscribe to like League Pass and things like that, where you can watch the whole game with all the plays cut out. So it's just play after play after play, and it actually boils it down to like what twenty five minutes, thirty minutes. Yeah. What if they did this for wrestling? How how short would the film be? Yeah. Um. I mean, it'd be a little bit longer because you have to watch the whole matches. It'd be a couple hours. But you hours could take probably. all the drama and I think crap it'd be out. a couple hours still. Because if you just took out the like entrance stuff, it'd be so much shorter. Because well, there's a lot of entrance stuff. So let me ask so the entrance, you this then. The, the whole thing is basically... Was there any pyrotechnics? Oh, yeah. There was tons, do which was great. Because they actually cut out pyrotechnics from their If it's shows. seven plus hours long, do you think it would be really fun to attend live? No. And just, it was in New York, it so therefore it probably long. got pretty cold. I'm thinking, like it, even if it was 60 during the day, let's say, it still probably got 40s. Because even like if I go to a sporting event that like I am excited to go to, at a certain point, like if you're staying extra innings for a Brewers game or something, it can start to feel like, all right, I think I'm, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm ready to hit the road. And like seven hours is a long. Yeah. So the there they are pre-show. There is a pre-show which is two hours long. So some people probably skip that. Possibly, but they had the the rumbles in there, and they have another match. So it's not like they don't have anything going on. They have like four matches there in the, those hours. So there's still stuff going on, and people still wanted to see what happened with. Michael Che and Colin Jost versus Braun Strowman I, in the I Rumble. I did see uh, Colin Jost wore a Odell yeah, Beckham jersey. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. That was pretty solid. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious going to the Giants Stadium and wearing that. He was trolling the whole way. But Good the, for him. The last thing I really wanted to talk about with this, though, is uh, Lesnar went down. Uh, Seth Rollins slayed the beast, of course, and there are rumors that he's going back to UFC. Daniel Cormier wants Lesnar now. He... Uh, yeah. Of course, in July of 2018, Lesnar shoved Cormier after a title win versus Stipe. We can't see We it. need to call up the Anstill podcast. Have you pronounced that for you? Stipe Miocic. Stipe Miocic. There we go. 
Um, Cormier, oh, you, have have that, you have to have that Russian accent when you say that. <laughs> yeah. He grew yeah, up I'm in, telling you, Russian, Stephen Russian, Rodich. Japanese Mike over here. <laughs> he grew up in Cleveland. Anyway. But he is from, <laughs> his parents are from Dirt, oh. dirt Hole oh, Stan. Oh, pronounce that as an Uber voice. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Cleveland, eh? What was that? That was like Canadian. That was, like, oh, was Canadian Hispanic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Cormier said, it's the fight. It's the fight that needs to happen. You know, he's a former UFC champ, All-American in college. This guy's very, very deserving of a fight, and I hope he's going to get it, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, isn't DC just looking for that last like, last fight to yeah. kind of put a stamp on his career? Originally, his plan was to retire by 40, and he just turned 40 in March, I believe. And he extended it, though. He extended it because he couldn't quite line up that one last big fight, and everyone was calling for Lesnar versus Cormier. Makes and sense. Yeah, that would be a that'd be a good one. Fans would be really excited about that. Yeah, definitely. Lesnar was a such a part time player in WWE. Of course, he had a contract, but he was just never really there. He never really took big hits, even in his matches. The matches were short, so obviously something's been in the works for a while now. Yeah. Um, but they had to obviously <laughs> finish off his storyline. So we'll see if that fight happens. That is one fight I will. Love to see, as Lesnar, he wasn't a bad fighter. Last time he fought was 2016, but uh, he's he's beefed up quite a bit. Yeah, he, he's he I got think, he had the illness at that time, right? Diverticulitis. That's it. Yeah, he lost a ton of weight. So and, yeah, he lost a ton of weight. Then he had a drug pop. Uh, I think he is reinstated as of last year, maybe summerish. I don't. I'd have to check on that. But I'd like to see Daniel Cormier. I mean, I'm a very casual UFC fan, but he's probably my favorite current fighter he's just he's such a likable guy no, no conor mcgregor he's too cocky i want to see him get his head kicked in most of the time but you are entertained you graciously let me borrow bill simmons the book of basketball i've been meaning to read it for forever and now you gave me the reason to actually like jump in and read so the kids have been reading quite a bit lately, and they've been pressuring me to read a book. So I jumped in, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So if you haven't read it, you need to. It's pretty pretty entertaining, especially now that I've listened to his podcast enough. I cannot picture him actually talking. Yeah, I I find that too. You kind of read in his voice. It's kind of nasally. <laughs> you, you can just picture him saying this yeah. stuff, especially with the footnotes that he has in there. They're always humorous. Yeah. And I guess I really didn't realize, and it makes sense because being a Boston fan, but he really does not like Kareem. Oh no! Like, oh, just he completely—he hates the Lakers. He is—he's been accused of even like the rankings not being fair for some of that stuff because of his Laker hatred. Right. He did grow up right in the heyday of uh, Boston versus LA. Yeah, Talk about his dad that got a big big tax return at the time and they argued between how much it was worth his dad says it was 200 and his mom says it was 600 and he wanted to get a motorcycle and his wife or his mom wouldn't let him get his dad get the motorcycle so he ended up buying 150 dollar like seats season tickets to the celtics Cause it just, just it just so happened to be when they were bad right he yeah. got them coming off of a bad season and then they turned it around very quickly after he had committed to being a season ticket holder, so it's like perfect timing. So there's a couple of experts excerpts from him that I would kind of want to talk about and then get some reaction and and kind of get from from our perspective and and growing up as kids to kind of get a feel. Because like when you read this book, I can't help but also like go through the exact same feelings and sports fans and and like kind of like the coming of age. And it's, what's kind of crazy is like now that I have like my son's coming at pretty much at that age where I started remembering a lot of different things. And so he's at that, that, that cusp of remembering his favorite. So Giannis is probably going to be his, his guy. Mine was yeah. kind of like Jordan. Um, and then the Ray Allen, like bucks um, were good. So one of the great expert excerpts from it that I, that I liked, and it kind of made me think a little bit more was the greatest struggle an athlete undergoes is the battle for our memories. It's gradual. It begins before you're aware it's begun. And it ends with a terrible fall from grace. It's really a battle to the death, which makes you think all these guys, and makes, it puts everything kind of in perspective. So all these guys really want to do is be remembered. Mm -hmm. Everything they do, even whether they're the likes of like a Tim Duncan, that's kind of like an unsettled hero, but it's just a constant 
Like he averaged like what seventy percent win percentage through almost his whole career. Like that's been unheard of. Yeah. To the likes of outspoken like a LeBron James. Like they all want to be remembered for certain things. And just kind of crazy from my perspective. And he wrote the book to try to like preserve some of the memories. It's like kind of like cool, like why we're doing the podcast, right? So it's cool that we can talk through these memories because like it, it's crazy how much stuff I've forgotten and you start to think about certain things. So what's a great memory that you guys can remember from like a sporting event childhood thing as as we are on the cusp of the Bucks making an improbable run to the playoffs? Uh, any sport? Sure. Uh, I mean, one of the ones that stands out to me is I was at the game when Robin Young got his 3,000th hit. That's probably one of, like, probably my like most cherished childhood memory is that I went to that game and saw him uh saw him slap a single to right field and the whole stadium went nuts for like twenty minutes. And like I still remember exactly where I was sitting. I still remember like people throwing toilet paper and confetti around and that's probably my favorite one from a kid. Pete, what do you get? Anything? You have no cherished memory from, from childhood. That you can remember from a sporting event. My Packers win the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I thought you meant going to. No, I mean, just like a moment you can remember. That like one's history. memorable because I went there, but the yeah. other one I would say I didn't go to a lot. We didn't go to a lot of games and stuff. Like my memorable thing at a Brewer game, County Stadium. I loved County Stadium, but I would say my most memorable thing was my grandpa took us to, to one game. My sister and I dropped us off because you could drop off kids back then and <laughs> mm-hmm. just drop them off at count, County Stadium, let them do what they want. And, um, but the ride with Grandpa was great because, you know, ride with Grandpa's awesome and he was a NASCAR lover. So he would drive pretty, pretty sweet. <laughs> um, so he dropped us off and we sat in the stand in the bleachers. It was against Minnesota, hated Minnesota, Minnesota flags flying like crazy. My sister and I, uh, I don't believe my brother was there, but uh, my main memory from that game was uh, one Brewer fan got really pissed off and threw a ton of cheese at one of the one of the Minnesota fans, and there was a huge fight in front of us. So um, that's about it. <laughs> the great cheese brawl, yeah, nineteen ninety one. There was so much cheese thrown, but um, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, uh, I would say probably the Packers Super Bowl is probably the most memorable thing that I can remember, of course, from my childhood. I don't remember yeah. as, as much from for sports-wise, but because like my, I think of my first memory was when Mikowski, I think he came back one game. Um, my first like Packer memory, I would say, is, is that. But the Super Bowl year is was huge for me. I, I wore the same green pants, and this is where I, I get down to the ritual and superstition stuff, is I wore the same green pants, I wore the same 92. I carved 92 and 4 into my hair and the G in my hair. I was just all in with Packers. I put a, I had two GI Joes. I would sit them on top of the TV. They all both had the old helmets on for the, for the Packers. I had a Brett Favre football. Like the the ones you get out of the vending machine. Right. Yeah. So I, I sat in the same seat every game because that's how superstitious I was where I would, I would, uh, yeah. And my mom couldn't talk to me. (laughs) We ate ham and rolls. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, that's where I kind of get down to the ritual and superstition stuff. Yeah, that year I'll, was pretty memorable for me. Outside of that, that uh, Robin Yount was so memorable because he's probably my favorite player ever, and actually being there. But that Super Bowl day, I can remember like everything. Watch, watch the whole day, like yeah. from what what ten o'clock. I don't know well, when it started. I don't remember. I uh, I remember getting up, going to church, and it was like such a weird feeling in church like it was this whole buzz like no one <laughs> yeah. was f- focusing on like sermon and like i talked to uh uh jason who we all uh went to high school with he was the person i always talked packers with and like we we talked Packers, like stayed after church to talk packers for like a half hour of like how are we gonna game plan and win? And I just remember, yeah, every, like, like the like the Packers actually gonna call you. Yeah, like oh man, we gotta call. We gotta, we gotta call, call Jason and Mike to make gotta, sure we our re- game plan's good to go. Really need a couple thirteen year olds to really, really dial it in. Yeah, <laughs> come up with a couple blitz schemes for us. <laughs> yeah, I think like one of my like favorite memories, and and I, what's crazy is because as you talk about sitting close and and 
realizing how special it is to like watch watch the games. Like I, I took my son, like at around like right before Thanksgiving when they like just destroyed Portland. That was thirty points. But my one of my favorite memories was I think in nineteen ninety six, I believe it was, right before like the Bulls went on that, that championship run. Um I got to go see like the the Bucks Bulls game. And it was probably my first experience seeing Michael Jordan in person. Which it was like the cementing of how he will never in my in my mind ever be replaced as the greatest player of all time. Like just the idea like so it was like it was a, even a random game. Like that was their like seventy two and whatever season. Like Jordan played like forty two minutes. Like he played the whole game. Yeah, and, and it just was the way he'd take over games. Yeah, and I, I don't think they scored that much. Like if I, I don't even, I don't think they got like hundred points either either team. And I think the Bucks were in it for for most of it too. But just seeing him in person, like none of the highlight videos and whatever give him justice the way he could just do what he just like demanded and i think what's interesting now is and they talk about in the book a little bit like why why there's such a need to change or put new players on pedestals and to discount like the previous generation so my my big thing of and he he does a good job of explaining it so the constant debate now is like LeBron is the next Michael Jordan and the, and the debate always is in my, in my mind, like Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan. There'll never be another person like yeah. him. So who's the next person who's actually going to be better than him and LeBron, everything he does, like he's amazing. I just don't think he's better than Michael. So if he's not better than Michael, then Michael's still the best of all time. Cause one, he was the first one to do it, but that was kind of like my big memory. And what's kind of funny is like my son loves michael like we watched the the different videos mm-hmm. and just unfortunate because he'll never get to experience it. so the next closest thing he has and like is Giannis, and he's very very incredible it's probably mm-hmm. as close as i think we've ever come at least in my mind because I, I got to see lebron too and lebron can take over a game there's just not a physical freak that can move and do what Giannis does so it's cool from my perspective that he's found his player like his guy and he's he's all in. Like he, he talks about the Bucks like there's friends. And it's kind of neat to see. Yeah, I I I think what you kind of get to near the end there with with Michael kind of being Michael and being the best ever. And he's he did something that I don't think any player will do. He's the Tom Brady of basketball, pretty mm-hmm. much. And he gets a championship championship to championship, and he won them all, pretty much. He won yeah. them all. So yeah. he that's something that LeBron never did lebron got there but he never won every single one granted the teams were different um he had his supporting cast but michael could really take over a game he could play sick he could do anything so i think i think what wisconsin fans really need to realize is what the bucks have with Giannis, because we're never we may never see a player like Giannis in a bucks uniform ever again if yeah. you have a chance to go to a game, you need to go to a game no matter where you're sitting, if you're standing room only, and just see him play. It's quite amazing. And being down low was even better. Like, if you can afford that, right. go do that because it's just crazy how fast these guys and are. But you, everybody needs to realize, if you're not a basketball fan, I get it. But these these players are quite amazing what they do. And uh, they're they're quite the athletes, but Giannis is special. Yeah, so Giannis is special, and I was lucky enough. I got to see, got to see the uh, an end ending version of Larry, the shell of himself, and I still yeah. liked Larry, but he just never was. And I guess that's kind of where that's cool, cool and interesting how each generation has its own beliefs. Like my my father still believes that like Kareem was the best mm-hmm. of all time, and you talk about. I feel like Bill Simmons book, he thinks that Bill Russell is the best of all time. And there's a good argument to be had. Like he had 11 championships yeah. and he was a complete antagonist. And he does a good job of debating why Bill Russell is better than Wilt Chamberlain. Cause everything that Wilt was, Bill Russell wasn't and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting way to look at it though, is that Giannis really is, such a special like once in a generation player that 
yeah, your son, when he's our age, like he might be looking back and like telling his kids, like, you won't believe like how good Giannis was. Like you had to be there to see it. I know LeBron James the third is pretty good, but <laughs> he's no Giannis. I mean, I and, think Giannis is, has really changed. You think of like positionless basketball and how the game has yeah. changed. And yes, you had Durant and and some other players that that started it, but Giannis really has changed the how a big man is is seen for sure. And nobody can guard the guy if he can get a jump shot. Like the guy is, he's going to be unstoppable. He already plus, is. Plus, in a league of of complete, I wouldn't say complete, a large number of self promoting and that's trans like the outside stuff that's transcending the game the building the brand of of you as a player and not as the team and the and the complete desire to go to big cities to to build your own wealth and brand i guess is the best way to yeah. put it. like mention to get to... to get lucky to get to be in this city at this point to get a player that believes what Giannis believes and we talked about a little bit how he didn't want to do space jam because he didn't want to be hollywood yeah when we see other guys out there of you got to have the big baller brand and play in LA or it's not even worth it playing in the NBA. So I know we talked to, you know, what's Giannis going to do in two years, but like you can drive yourself crazy thinking about that too much. So for now, just enjoy the, uh, enjoy the ride for, we know we have Giannis for two more years. We could have three good cracks at a title, even if he left. So, I'm just gonna enjoy what we have now. So now, as as we got on the cusp of the Bucks playoff series, the book and other people have talked about they they reference they called the secret, the secret to championships. So, Mike, you read this. Do you remember kind of what they talk about when they when they reference like the secret? Does is that where he goes into? Um, There's uh, four things that Pat, make up Pat Riley and the disease of more that follows. Um, a little bit. It's kind of like the prelude of it, but it's, it yeah. kind of ties into it. But the like Isaiah Thomas talks about it, and then um, Bill Russell kind of references it too. It's like they everybody that you talk to, major players, you talk about the secret. Explain to me what that is. They all give you like that that sheepish smirk, and he gives you in the book. He re- gives you the four things. So if you can bear with me, and we may cut this out depending on how bad it goes. But <laughs> if I will, we, if I could read the four different pieces, and each one will break down and kind of talk about how this Bucks team kind of fits. Because when I read this for the first time, it kind of gave me chills. Like, this seems awful lot like mm-hmm. this Bucks team right now. So the difference between the team that does one and done and the team that can actually repeat are based on these four things. So number one, you build a potential championship around one great player. He doesn't have to be a super-duper star or someone who can score at will, just someone who leads by example, kills himself on a daily basis, raises the competitive nature of his teammates, and lifts them to a better place. The list of the best players on the NBA champs since Bird and Magic joined the league looks to be like this. Kareem, the younger version, Bird, Moses, Magic, Isaiah, Jordan, Hakeem, Duncan, Shaq, the younger version, Phillips, sort of, Wade, Garnett. It's a list that looks exactly like you'd think it would look with the exception of Phillips. So, that's Giannis. Giannis, check. Almost to a T. Check, yeah. So you go on to number two. You surround that superstar with one or two elite sidekicks who understand their place on the team's hierarchy, don't obsess over stats, and fill every blank that they can. That's everybody around him. <laughs> yeah. They right. all know their role. That's one big thing about this Bucks team. Is you don't hear everybody knows their role and nobody complains. I mean, there's like there's guys like Brogdon was having the the 50-40-90 season, but I don't think he's like obsessed with that and has to get that. No, and even like Middleton can be off one night and there'll be somebody yeah. else. And Lopez has set some records this year, but I don't think that that was what drove him. It just that's just yeah. a, the part of the system. I, so I think Connaughton played every game last year with uh, the Trailblazers, and he didn't play every game this year. You didn't hear him complaining. Yeah. Came off the bench sometimes, started sometimes, sometimes he didn't play. So he gives a list of the sidekicks, and, the, and they're the personnel that you like. You'd think of the Grants and Pippins, the um, and, even Ray Allen later on, and and, re- and maybe <laughs> the only guy you heard really being unhappy was Thon Maker. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Number three. From that framework, you can complete your nucleus with the top-notch role players and our character guys. Too many to count, but think Robert Ory, Derek Fisher types who know their place, don't make mistakes. It won't threaten the unselfish culture 
as well as the coaching staff dedicated to keeping those t- team ahead of individual values in place. So we kind of talked about a little bit too with the other guys you kind of mentioned the idea that they surround themselves with a team nucleus outside of even like those core sidekick players like the Bledsoe's, Middleton, Brogdon types, those other ones like the Paul Gasol coming in, George, that mentality. George Hill, George Hill, and even like Frazier coming in and then doing what he needs to. Um, DJ Wilson, like those ideas of Connaughton, yeah. even Chenzo, all those guys are not distracting from this team. They're all bought into their roles. They're all happy and ecstatic on the bench. And then vice versa, when they all take minutes off, like the like when the big guys are out, Giannis is out there cheering just as much as the guys that were cheering for him while he was in. And last but not least, and this is one that is out of the, out of the control of coaches, players, and the front office, number four, you need to stay healthy in the playoffs and maybe even catch one or two breaks. Hopefully, if you're a good team, you catch two. So, boys, that's what every championship coach has referenced and player has referenced as the secret in this in the need or recipe to get your team there. Feels pretty good, I'd have to say. Yeah, uh, it checks a lot of boxes for the Bucks, and considering the playoffs go through Milwaukee, the Bucks will have home court in every series. Only lost eight games. Well, seven. I'm, I'm not counting today's loss. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah, the, I I mean, they proved it all year. They didn't. They only lost back-to-back one, one time this year. Yeah, that's incredible. So good luck in a series with them, I guess, right? <laughs> and it's official. We get Thon Maker and the Pistons yep. in, to open the playoffs. Thon Maker's yeah. the, the, the playoff guy, though, right? He only shows up in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. that's the only time he can do because he hasn't showed up at all in the regular season. So, now I don't want to. I don't want to get too far ahead of us. I, I hope. I really expect them to sweep. I'm going to say that. Knock on wood. Anything can happen. They handled the Pistons. This is this is the matchup I really wanted. I know you were saying like Toronto should face the Pistons, but <laughs> yeah, this is really funny. the matchup I wanted. I feel like they can't. They can't stop Giannis. Uh, it's a little easier for us to stop um Blake. Blake, yeah. Blake Griffin. Yeah. And uh Drummond's just Drummond. I I'm not too worried about that. He can't guard Lopez outside. So yeah, he can't shoot free throws. Blake isn't the same Blake of a few years ago. No. He, I mean he's turned into more of a jump shooter and he's kind of reinvented himself to still be a pretty effective player, but I mean, he's still the best player on a five hundred team, so how worried are you going to be? I'd say, yeah, worst case, they might win a game in Detroit. But I would say, yeah, this is a four or five game series. I think the only way they actually win a game is if you have a, a Bucks team that runs cold consistently and you have just an off night for, for like a Giannis or something like that. That's the only way I think they can pull it up. Because even on a cold shooting night, you got to feel like Giannis can pretty much single-handedly yeah, you at least there. And the depth is so good that even no Brogdon, no Miritich isn't the end of the world. There's so many guys I trust. Oh, yeah. Know. You could even put DJ Wilson in there. You could put Connaughton. Everybody's contributed in some kind that, of way that's, that that's Philadelphia been so meaningful. So. When that was like one of the best wins of the season, George Hill was amazing down the stretch in that game. Yeah. And it helps th- have some of those guys that have experience and, and, and know what to do in yeah. the playoffs. Just think of like how far down the bench some of these guys are. Really, it's like you, almost everyone on the roster you can play. Wouldn't Frazier tonight have like twenty nine? Yeah, they uh, they started all the backups. Uh, well, Middleton started. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Middleton did start. He only played seventeen minutes, but it. But DJ Wilson, Colson, Fr- Frazier had twenty nine points and yeah. thirteen assists. And Wil- yeah, Wilson so. nearly had twenty rebounds, right? He had 18 and 17. Look at these guys racking up Bonzi, double. Bonzi had double, double, double right? doubles. Like all these, Wilson, Colson, Frazier, double doubles. Yeah, that's great. Did OKC play most of their players or did they kind of ride, they, they, ride the uh, bench too? They played Westbrook. Uh, George Shatt. Oh, yeah, Westbrook's got to get his triple-double average. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, it was, and Stephen Adams a little bit. But, yeah, like Dennis Schroeder was their uh, leading scorer. Bucks, yeah, they didn't care. And uh, in honor of this playoffs, did you hear they're dying the Milwaukee River green on Friday? Nice. That's to uh, get everyone excited about I the like uh, 
Well, the, the sewage playoffs? should's already halfway there. <laughs> yeah. But. yeah. Oh, there's a lot of Just comments. Just got to lighten it up a little bit. A lot of comments on social media of like, isn't it already green? And yeah. uh, I did hear. No, just give him an excuse to have it green. <laughs> I yeah, did hear uh, for the Bucks, Cleveland, in honor of uh, the big offseason the Browns had, they're gonna they're dying the Cuyahoga brown and orange. Oh, I know it already is brown and orange. Sorry, I thought was, I thought maybe they're gonna they're gonna leave it brown and <laughs> set it on fire again. I, yeah, as the orange. <laughs> I couldn't help but trying to work some sort of Cleveland reference in there. <laughs> Perfect. Burn, baby, burn. But just uh, one little one little thing to show you how far this team's come. Maybe get you excited about the playoffs. <laughs> the year we drafted Giannis, the Bucks, his rookie year, Bucks won 15 games. Look at him now, 60 wins. I mean, the Bucks won 15 games that, that year. The Bucks won 27 games on the road this year. It really shows you the evolution of Giannis. The coaching change, some of the moves they made to bring in all these at Bledsoe and Lopez. That was the year they did get Middleton. Uh, but, but we can all we can all admit the biggest free agent signing, and it's been said over and over, is Budenholzer. Yeah, getting that coach has changed so it's, much with this team. It's it's nearly the same team. Yes, there are a lot of different pieces. I understand, and they made a lot of different moves, but it takes a leader to lead men to this day even though it's full of a bunch of guys who are kind of big-headed but look at what Bledsoe Bledsoe hasn't said anything all year yeah he's like the seventh coach in history to win 60 plus games with two different franchises yeah that's pretty impressive I guess the one thing you're worried about is he won 60 before and nothing really happened but he didn't have Giannis that Hawks team didn't have Giannis did not have Giannis that's for sure they had a very balanced attack of nice players but they had there was no Giannis wasn't like the Millsap and Corver Corver Corver, Horford Millsap and uh, point guard from he plays for Minnesota now Teague 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 Teague, Jeff Teague yeah, I'm. I'm. You don't but have to get me excited. I know. I'm, I'm extremely was, excited. I've watched every single game. That's what I was wondering. I'm so if, pumped up for this. If that game of win sixty kind of yeah. just felt like a celebration, because I was actually kind of. Well, getting, for me, it was. So, I was yeah. so. It was amazing. And for me, you, it was amazing. But yeah, if I look back, I'm like, uh, I don't. It wasn't too crazy. Watching on but. TV though, where just they were really talking about how far this team's come since since that first year they drafted Giannis and the 60 wins and like I was kind of getting goosebumps watching it I'm like this is incredible like well it's like every like crazy video was like surfaced during during that week because they showed the picture or the video of Giannis at an Admirals game where he's 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 not he's tiny he's <laughs> like tiny oh yeah. yeah in retrospect but he like made like the the slap shot to win it like he made it in the middle and like the crowd goes nuts but nobody knew who the heck he was the, the announcer butchered his name you look at him now yeah he's really bulked up Man, he's a big guy yeah bulked up TV he doesn't do him justice that's like a whole thing like if anybody saw what he was now back then like he'd be number one overall pick easily uh, right uh, yeah but it's, it's the idea like is it it's half luck right that the bucks draft a guy sure he, yeah he, not only it's hard to it's hard to predict the backstory, right? So he has he's coming from from Europe, doesn't know anybody, so that could go one or two ways. You could either get mm-hmm. a homesick kid or one that's just driving determined. They got they got the kid that didn't know how to didn't know what to do, so he like spent the night in the gym until like the Bucks organization realized it and they got him like all situated. But that's what he did. He spent the time in the gym. And they came in his brother back in Greece, like they talked about it too, where they every morning the ritual would be like they'd get up and run to the gym like that would be their exercise get in the gym and they just do basketball but not only that so they got a kid with a, a ridiculous work ethic but then a kid that also grew what four inches yeah and still kept the ball handling skills like the elusiveness the athleticism very rarely do you get a, a guy who can like handle the ball at six nine does does a decent job pretty decent shot but the, but can just create and get to the rim but now you add four inches onto that and he doesn't lose any of the ball handling skills and athleticism. So now you got a seven foot like guy who can handle as a point guard. Even if there's some luck involved of him getting him at fifteen and turning into this, 
if any franchise deserved a little luck, <laughs> right? It's the Bucks. We've had some rough years most most of our lives. Yeah, this is kind of our our redemption for the Dirk Nowitzki, yeah. Robert trailer. That's true, and trading Ray Allen for like nothing. Magic beans. Well, you didn't like Flip Murray. I loved. Uh, oh, we traded him too. I, right. Des, Desmond, Ma- Desmond Mason. Desmond Mason I figured it out. Mason was good. I, I liked Mason. We traded. We Allen. traded the rights to Nowitzki for Robert Trailer and Magic Beans. The Magic Beans we fed to Giannis to uh, make them grow. There you go. We just had to save the Magic Beans for <laughs> over a decade. decade. It's a process, guys. Oh, Trust man. the beans. So the Brewers headed out west. Um, it's it hasn't gone well so far. They got swept by the Angels. Um, I got a couple uh-huh. things I'd like to just go over the the good, the bad, the ugly on my end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys can add to this. Trout's if you amazing. Want. So the good, Grandall, yeah. crushing. He's mm-hmm. got a really nice average. He had two home runs in that second game. Mm-hmm. Maybe he uh, moves up in the lineup. Uh, the bad. Aguiar slumping before coming into this third game. He he has only had seven Ks. Hard hit percentage is like 34%. So 34 percentile. So it's not terrible. Um, relief pitching has been bad. Yep. Uh, they're ninth in the NL in ERA before this third game. Sixth in the NL in whip. And like six best or six worst? Sixth. Best NL fifteen, fifteen teams. I thought it'd have been. I still thought it'd have been worse. So yeah, home runs. They were tied for third, giving up home runs. So uh, last year they were second in the area, of course, third in WHIP, and then sixth in home runs. Uh, the ugly for me is Shaw. Sixteen Ks going into the third game led the team. Hard hit percentage was nice. He he does hit the ball hard, but he also got a little hand injury. He's day to day, hit by a ball today. So yeah, the X-rays left, were negative. He left in the first inning. Yeah. So he's kind of been disappointed. And then the other ugly for me is starting pitching. It's been rough. It's been really rough. They're near the bottom in WHIP, ERA, and they've given up a ton of home runs. And it's especially concerning against this Angels team because going into the series, they didn't have Justin Upton, their second best hitter. Trout got hurt. Yes. So this is, they're getting beat up on by like cast offs from other teams. Boar, Tommy Listella. Boar. 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 Like, yeah. Listella had two home runs. Boar. Lucroy's on this team. Oh, yeah. Lucroy. Yep. That's right. And those guys are all getting hits. The Brewers just. It was an ugly series. They yeah. did not look good. Yeah, uh, Peralta looked awful. Yeah, he had that. I mean, there's nothing really good that came out of this series in my eyes other than Grandal. Is it just yeah. still raking. Had the two home runs in that one game, but uh, it's quite disappointing to see. But it's a long season, but there are some trends with Aguilar and Shaw that I don't like to see because <laughs> um, that's that infield really, really that whole infield is not hitting other yeah. than Perez or if, if you start Perez you so would be hitting but. so do you see at some point where we may look at bringing up like a Salandino just to try to get something different in the lineup different bet I think they have to consider doing something I know you, the problem is you're mentioning Aguilar struggling so I wouldn't mind seeing him sit but then who would you play at first well you got to put Thames Shaw. Thames is actually hitting and a little bit better Shaw's been hitting worse than Aguilar that's some of the problem I mean in game like game one of the series Shaw was over four with four strikeouts and his average is just tanked He's, didn't Saladino play a little bit of first during spring training I think so I think him or Spangenberg could otherwise yeah you put Thames in there which Thames is right on his average two, 240 250 he's not yeah. he's striking out a lot of course he's had a couple home runs um so he's right where he should be I I don't think he's doing anything extraordinary or anything worse than what he should be but yeah Aguilar kind of worries me a little bit for getting, sure getting swept in general worries you yeah I mean you're gonna lose a series from like 
from time to time. Then they won three straight. That's, the idea you can pull one win out. But that first game that when Trout, I think it was the first game, right? When Trout robbed Yelich of a home run. Yeah. Man, that guy's athletic. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, there's a reason. Uh, Getting paid. Yeah. If uh, this is a good series, or at least a start, if you like MVPs. Right. I was talking about Pujols and Braun. Right. Yeah. Not yet. Obviously. Oh, Yelich and. It's nice to see Braun in the DL. Yelich and Trout are okay, too. DH. DL. <laughs> Not the DL. There's no DL, DL anymore. Exist anymore. So. Yeah, Gamble's been. been Playing pretty good defense. So. Yeah, he's been hitting pretty well too. Got a heck of an arm, man. Got some nice hair. Yeah, so I don't know. So it doesn't get any easier. Yeah, uh, if you're worried about them giving up home runs, like especially Chase Anderson, uh, Dodgers next. At least they get a day off to get a little rest for some of the pitchers. But the Dodgers have just been raking this season, especially from the power department. This is not the team you want to play when you're pitching and struggling. Yeah, who would ever thought that Zach Davies would be your most consistent pitcher right now? <laughs> yeah. That was the one we were worried about. Yeah, these the young guys, I know there's gonna be ups and downs, but it's been it's been more downs so far. Well, well maybe uh helps on the way. Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson pitched a extended spring training game. Council said there were only positives from it, so nothing bad there. Well on track, hopefully for May. Jeffress update he should be joining the team i think on the 15th i heard so that would be the cardinal series that's monday you still gotta worry about that like getting him in there like i don't know you can't you can't have him going into like a spring training when you had him going into a series and he could barely pitch over mid mid 80s when he was a 90s pitcher you gotta get that up do you think and jimmy nelson you want to wait a couple days because that's usually when the when the negative stuff will come out after like lingering elbow soreness or things like that coming out of the Unless that was a couple of days ago that he did pitch. If the young guys continue to struggle, I mean, we might see Jimmy Nelson. We would expect to see Jimmy Nelson probably bump one of them to the bullpen. Do you think they would consider moving Anderson or Guerra back into the rotation and bumping another guy, like maybe bump Woodruff and Burns to the bullpen? I would rather see that because the bullpen needs help. And not that Woodruff, I think those guys deserve some time to to, to see what they can do, yeah, but it's tough the way to the say. bullpen is right now, the bullpen's not very strong, and no. even with Jefferson there, it's still not very strong. Uh, it's very, who knows what's going to happen based off of what we've seen the last uh, right. two series, so I think that would be a good idea. I, I would like to see Guerra back in there. He's always been consistent. I'll um, voluntarily fall, take my guy and fall on the sword, and I'll take Corbin Burns and put him in the bullpen. He scares mm-hmm. me. Like he's he's got good stuff. Like anytime you strike out twelve guys, like it it's good. But every time I've seen him, like he does not have. When you miss, you cannot miss up, and he misses up. Yeah, and that's he'll not ha- good. he'll really hang pitches. He just might be better suited for. He's such a good strikeout pitcher to just know he's coming in for an inning, yeah. and not have to worry about right. working through the and order just, and just really just throw heat. Because it seems like he's gotten into trouble once he gets through the order, once he's facing him a second time. That yeah, they kind of they've seen his stuff, and they yeah, they sit on some of that off-speed stuff that right. he throws and give him another year. Yeah, kind of figure it out. I, I know, know. I know. It's a little, too, but... it's a little rough to say. You know, like so guy, early in the season, give these guys like two or three starts and then start yeah, like no. put him in I'm the not, bullpen. I'm but... not in the dunk club, but there's there's things you got to trends you got to look at and during the season and. You don't want to continue on a trend of losing three in a row, losing series like this. Yeah. That's one thing you want to do. You want to win every series, of course, mm-hmm. day by day. But um, you, can't, you can't afford to burn out a bullpen either. Like when you had right. like these starters only going two and a third. Yeah, right? that, that's you're going to tax the bullpen in a hurry. Peralta needs to learn that throwing high to the Reds is different than throwing high to like Trout. So obviously six runs in one inning with nearly th- only 36 pitches, I believe, which well, the, that was well, they, insane. They, they see Hater do it. <laughs> well, the funny the thing is, got though, a, he's got got so ri- much... but Hater's got a rising 90, 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastball. We face good offenses, the divisional games, to start the season. The Cubs have scored 10 runs five times already. Like The Cubs have been a great hitting team, and then the, the Angels don't seem like they should strike that much fear into you, but the Angels... Yeah, it's hard to underestimate that travel, what that means, especially, yeah. like, being amped up to start the season with 
you face three straight series, division series, and you have to immediately go out west. It's, it's true. a tough schedule. Now you're going to turn around, you're going to get the Dodgers, and you come right back to what, the Cardinals? Then the Dodgers, then the Cardinals, then the Dodgers. I know, it's like, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I, Usually I, we get a break at this point. Usually it's like, I, oh, you got, you got slammed. I, I get a well, little bit of a. Well, the thing is, because they, they have a roof. They get slammed early, and then yeah. they have late. They have more games off where other teams are playing. Like the Cubs are playing like almost every day in August and well, that's, in September. So that's why we didn't get a day off in the opening series. The teams that had the built-in three-game series instead of four were any were open air, cold weather, mm-hmm. where they worried about opening day getting rained out and having to move it, it to the next, next day. day. So that's why the Brewers started with a four-game series. I, I blame it on the computer. What was the couple's name that did the scheduling? Yeah, Get those guys back. I think the computer's name was Skynet and Carol and Bob. Just kidding. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, Skynet. Whoa. I think Just Car- kidding. Carol and Bob. I, I'm almost 100% we love you, it's Skynet. Carol and Bob. We love you, hey, hey, Terminators, when you take over the world, just remember, I'd make an excellent pet. Oh, I'd love to be a pet. <laughs> I'll be your Luna cat. Well, fine. Really? really? Fine, Pete. You be a freedom fighter and fight all the Terminators. I want to just be a pet. Go down. I'm going to go down fighting by Me. hiding in my basement. <laughs> Me. I t- swear allegiance to the robots. But yeah, I think when we start talking about robots, it's probably a good time to just wrap up. Oh, yeah. This was episode 49. The next one is our 50th episode spectacular. Yes. Holy. It's going to be at least 10 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did want to talk to Chris Kuyper about the NFL draft, but we're also going to record right before Game of of Thrones. Speaking of Game of Thrones. I I want some action on a couple Game of Thrones bets. I want long shots. No, no hot takes. I'm banking on on legit knowledge here. You know, I I only want hot takes. (laughs) I want hot kicks. Mm. Funnel cakes? So yes, episode 50 is coming. Can't wait. 50 is coming. Get it? Episode 50 is coming. Winter is here. Well, uh, obviously yeah. there's snow yeah. on the ground. Yeah, today was nuts. April um, showers bring May flowers. April blizzards bring white walkers. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening. So just... Two statements. Okay. They're both cut out, but go ahead. We, nope. st- we stopped recording anyway. Did you? No. Oh. No bears were injured and no devils were summoned during the recording of this podcast. Okay. And as the late great Joan Rivers once said, never floss with a stranger. I'm dumber for having listened to that. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Questionable to Return Sports Podcast. Send us your questions, read more about us, and more on our website, questionabletoreturn.com. Follow us on Twitter at Q2Return and Instagram at questionabletoreturn. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash questionabletoreturn. Follow each of the guys on Twitter. For Andy, at Andy, the number nine, M-A-N. Mike? At Mike R. Daly and Pete at P. Cozy with a K. Junior Jr. Please consider leaving us a five-star review as well as sharing us with someone you know.